go ahead and put a tassel. Put a bookmark or something in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, it will take us to the end of the message to get there, but we're going to be going at such a speed at that point, I don't want to break stride. So go ahead and put a tassel in 1 Corinthians 15 and then go find yourself in Exodus 8. If you are a visitor here, we are spending a whole year. God has been phenomenal to us so far, and I believe fully that he will continue. But we are spending a whole year in Exodus. So we're about three months in now, smack dab in the middle of the plagues. If you are a note taker, and even if you're not, I encourage you to still write. Somewhere. This morning, what do you seek most? Forgiveness or respite? And when I say respite, I mean space. When I say respite, I mean a break. I mean rest from your sin. So when it comes to the idols in your life, when it comes to the sin in your life that you see and God has convicted you of, what do you seek most this morning? Who are you? I seek forgiveness or I seek respite. Which one? So last week we started our journey in the 10 plagues. God's punishment of the Pharaoh and then of also of Egypt. And what we saw was a heavy first swing in God, and he went right after the God of the Nile. His name was Happy, H-A-P-I. And God turned the Nile into what? Blood. Can you imagine? And so he steps forward, and in that moment, life stopped. Because the Nile was everything. The Nile was money. The Nile was career. The Nile was food. The Nile was water. The Nile was fun. The Nile was their future and hope. So even the Pharaoh would wake up early and he would go to the water's edge and he would sing songs and he would pray to happy. And in the first play, God stepped forward and stopped life as they knew it. It was the ultimate What in the world do we do now? What do we do now that my money, that my job, that my resources, that my provisions, that my pleasure has all come to a halting screech? What do we do now? So I want you to think. I want you to think. Plague one, God steps forward and he takes What means most to Egypt? Follow me. He steps forward and he takes their gods. Plague two, he steps forward and he gives them their gods. Okay? Where we're going to be that the whole morning. The Nile, I'm crushing what you praise and worship. Plague two, I'm going to let you have what you want. So we talked about what is an idol, church? When an idol can be anything. 
An idol can be a person, it could be a thing, it could be a possession, it could be a concept, it could be a desire. So how do you assess church? What idols do I have in my life? Well, it's very simple. What has your greatest desires? What has your greatest comfort? What do you dream about? What do you wish more than anything? Here's an easy one. Do I have idols in my life? Answer the question. What gets your best? Very simple. That's a great small group question. What gets my best? The best of my resources, the best of my gifts, the best of my time, the best of my talents, the best of my... What has my heart? What sits in that seat? Think about it. What sits, who sits in that seat? And so plague one God removes whoever sits there. Plague two, he says, I'm not only gonna allow you to sit there, I'm gonna crowd the room. Exodus eight, Exodus eight. I was thinking, kiddos, listen, because when I was younger, I used to dream about this question. What would life look like if God gave you what you most desired? To the nth degree. Kiddos to my seniors. Like the things that you dream about, the things that you desire, the thing that gets your best, the thing that you are sprinting for. What if God said, fine, take it. And not only will I give it to you, I will give it abundantly so. What would your life look like? The things that you dreamed about, God gave you. Exodus 8, 1 through 4. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Why? That they may serve me. So we asked the question last week, why does God want the people out of slavery? Well, my God is awesome. He is, but why? They stood in the way of God's glory. Slavery did. He says, let my people go. Why? That they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house and into your bedrooms and into your house and your servant's house and of your people into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. Frogs will be everywhere. And the frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on your servants. And I remember reading this years ago and even now. I remember thinking this was the strangest plague, if you even can call it that. I mean, I guess this is frustrating. I guess this is annoying. Can you imagine like you not seeing the carpet and just like frogs being everywhere? Like I get the annoyance, but this is a hard follow-up to the Nile, right? Can you imagine our lake, which is a drop of water compared to the Nile? Can you imagine our lake 
being pure blood? Do you know how gross? Yes, yeah, right. Ugh. You know how gross, how nasty, how terrifying? Can you imagine being the one who was in the water when God snapped his finger and all of a sudden you're neck deep in blood? And then knowing plagues two coming, and you're like, man, like plague one devastated me. What's he going to do? He goes, guess what? I hope you like frogs, right? Like it's almost, it's almost like God went from terrifying to comedic. It even reads that way, right? Like, did you hear me as I read? Close your eyes and picture it even reads like a comedy. Like frogs were in the ovens and the refrigerators and they were in the underwear drawer and like they were everywhere, right? And so I read this and it almost sounds like God is in heaven just like rolling, doing like a big old God belly laugh. Can you imagine? Which I'm okay with because God is perfect in all of his ways. So I'm sure he has a phenomenal sense of humor. I bet he's extremely funny. So if God thinks this is humorous, have at it. But there has to be something more. Like, what is the message? Like, why frogs? Like, I'm sure it was annoying. And I'm sure it was frustrating. And I'm sure it was gross. I'm sure they had a hard time sleeping, right? But what is the message? What is God doing in the abundance of frogs? Now, to understand the 10 plagues, you and I need to understand with each plague, each punishment, there is a corresponding idol. There is a corresponding false God. So when God went after the Nile, it wasn't just smart on his part. He was attacking the people and what they worshiped, but he was also pouring judgment and punishment on happy. So in Exodus 12, and then also in Numbers, we read last week, God says, I poured my punishment on the people, but I also crushed their false gods, right? Plague two, what is a frog? So in Egypt during this time, which some historians would say is their most God, the God of all things, some would say, the God of life was this God that went by the name of Hecht, H-E-K-T. And this was a goddess of life, life of childbirth, of the air that you breathe, of your health if you were sick, if you wanted children, if you were dying, they would go and they would pray to this goddess for provisions of life. This goddess had the body, the figure of a woman, and the head of a frog. And so like Numbers said, God sends judgment on the people once again and he sends judgment to their gods as well. So you put that slide up real quick. Do you see the God sitting there, the woman bowing 
with the head of a frog. So in Exodus 8, continue. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up, and they covered the whole land. Can you imagine? And the magicians did so also with their enchantments, and they brought up frogs from the land of Egypt as well. So we have this moment where we start seeing the heart of what God's doing and the message. It wasn't funny. It wasn't comical. It wasn't annoying. It wasn't frustrating. The people worshiped frogs. Google this on your own time. You will see carvings and huge statues. Frogs were on their robes. They were in their houses, little carved sa- They weren't allowed to kill them. If you had a frog in your home, like that was a bald eagle in America. We love the bald eagle, right? We'll drive to go see them. We'll take pictures. You can't hurt them. You can't harm them. Imagine, just imagine if God goes, hey, listen, you love this country so much. You love this bald eagle so much. I'm going to send you five million. Now, a bald eagle is a little scarier than a frog. Imagine you couldn't see the sun. Imagine that. That's the message. God says, be careful what you ask for. If you love frogs so much, I will give you all that you could ever dream of. That's the message. Have you ever in your life Have you ever drowned in that what it is you actually one day most desired? Ever? Have you ever been weighted down? You were drowning in what? What I actually one day dreamed of. Like I wanted more and now I'm drowning in more. Ever? I wanted bigger, and I wanted more, and I wanted to be, and now I have it, and I hate it. Ever? Or maybe you wanted the attention. Or you wanted the status. Or you wanted to look like. Or you wanted to fit in. Or you wanted your kids to be. And guess what? In all of God's goodness, he gave it to you. You want frogs? I'll give you frogs. And now you can't walk. If you're a note taker, you've lost me. In life, plague one and two, there will be times that God steps forward and he crushes your idols. And then there will be times where God steps forward and allows your idols to crush you. And he took the Nile. Bring me your biggest and bring me your baddest and I will turn it to blood. I will stop time. And then he steps forward and says, hey, listen, if this is your God of life, let's see how much you like frogs. I'm gonna give you what you dream about. I'm gonna give you what you get comfort in. I'm gonna get you, give you what you so desire and let's see if you like it. 
Plague two, the frogs, be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you love. Be careful what you run towards. Be careful what you give your best to. What has your heart? What has your best? Because at times God's gonna give it to you to see if you can still walk, to see if you can still sleep, to see if you can still move. Because even seamlessly good things, good things in nature that are sweet and kind and great will still drown you if you put them ahead of the Lord. And you go, man, like this person is struggling so much. Why? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it divorce? What is it? No, 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 no. It's children. No, it's money. It's a job. It's a hobby. Like, like sweet, good, fun things. That's what's drowning them. You ever felt that? You ever been drowning in what you one day prayed for? And God says, you wanted it. You wanted it. You desired it. All I did was give you what you wanted. And then this funny thing happens. This funny thing happens in the next verses. We're eight chapters in. The Pharaoh is ignorant. He's foolish. His, his heart is hard. And like, why doesn't he get it? Snakes and rods and all of these craziness. The water is blood. Like, why don't you see anything? And then all of a sudden, the Pharaoh hears something. And it wasn't the water being blood. My man had water in the fridge. He went back in the house. It was the frogs. And so all of a sudden, follow me, what we see in the next few verses, the frogs, they get Pharaoh's attention. Verse eight, it says, then the Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs. Will you, will you highlight that for me? The Pharaoh said, entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs. So, so for months here at this church, like Moses and Aaron keep going to the Pharaoh and Pharaoh's like, you again? Like, leave me alone. And now all of a sudden, Pharaoh goes, hey, have you seen Moses? Hey, where's the old man at? And his older brother. Where's Aaron? Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Hey guys, chapter eight, we're done. Movie's over. He doesn't want any more. White flags up, right? We're just on plague two. What's the next eight gonna look like? Why? And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, I'll pray, and for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses that they may remain in the river only. 
So he said, tomorrow, Pharaoh said, tomorrow, give me a little bit. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord your God. And the frog shall depart from you, from your home, from your servant's home, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Seems like the Pharaoh's heard something. Do you know what this word entreat, I don't know what your Bible says. Do you know what this word entreat means? It means an anxious, fearful plea. So all of a sudden, it wasn't the snakes, it wasn't the the leprosy, it, it was not the water, it was the frogs. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh goes, Moses, Aaron, okay. I get it. I will stop. And this is what's really fascinating, church. What does Pharaoh call God? What does he call him? Lord. And you go, what, what, what are you saying, Hunter? Hey, go back, just flip a page. Go to five. Go to five. Look at five one. Pharaoh says, tell the Lord, okay, I've had enough. Why is that a big deal? Verse one through two. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness And the Pharaoh said, who is this Lord that I shall obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So all of a sudden, not only does my man wave the white flag, he goes, I know exactly who I'm talking to, right? Pharaoh has gone, going, listen, not only am I not gonna do what you say, I want you to understand I don't even know who it is you're speaking of. So hear this message. Pharaoh now believes in God. I need you to hang with me. Now Pharaoh believes that God exists. Not only does Pharaoh believe that God exists, Pharaoh knows that God is almighty. Because he doesn't say, hey, listen, I can do this. He goes, no, 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 no. I am the man and I'm coming to you because I know that he can do what I can't. So there's no confusion anymore. He goes, Moses, Aaron, I know who it is. His name is Lord and I know that he is mightier than me. Well, guess what, church? He's one of us. Pharaoh believes and he knows that God is mighty. Welcome to Eastview. But what we see in Pharaoh is that belief without faith, belief without trust, belief without the forgiveness of sin is just an intelligent individual destined for the same hell as an ignorant one. James 2, James 2, it says, do you believe in one God, and what's the answer? The man goes, yes. He goes, well, that's great. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
Does Satan believe that God exists? Does Satan fear God? Is Satan in heaven? So Pharaoh goes, man, look, I know who he is. And not only do I know who he is, I know he's more powerful than I am. And we go, well, man, you're a Christian. Welcome. Pharaoh wanted the frogs gone. He didn't want his sins gone. Pharaoh didn't care about God. He wanted the frogs to leave. Pharaoh had crippling sin in his life. He did not put his trust. He did not put his faith. He did not put his belief in the mighty works of God's grace and mercy. No, 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 no. He understood that God existed and that he was powerful, but he had idols in his life that he worshiped, that he gave his first and his best and his life to. And he was drowning now in what he wanted most, but they failed to see the need of forgiveness. What they wanted was respite. I don't want you to forgive my sins. I want you to take a chill pill. I want you to give me space. I want a break. So what we see is they didn't want their idol. I've had enough frogs, but they also didn't want God. And so we see repentance to a degree. Do you know what the word repentance means? It's what we're called to. Do you know what it means? It literally means to turn from. It means your sins. As we talked last week in our Lord's Supper, what do you have ahead of the Lord? I called you to pray and to acknowledge what you have placed in your life. You have disrespected God in your home by putting things in chair one. And we acknowledge that. And we turn from it. And we run to God. What we see in plague two the people turn from the frogs, but they just run in a different direction. Like, I've had enough. I get it. White flag. You are all that. I am not. Take them away. I do not want my frogs, but they don't run to God. I don't have a desire for him. I'm just going to run into a different direction. And when we turn from sin, because we are drowning and we don't run to God, we just run in space or in a different direction, this is what we see happen. Look at 12 through 15. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs in which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out, and in the houses, and in the courtyards, and out of the fields, they gathered them together in heaps, and the land Stink. Will you highlight 15 for me? But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. So Pharaoh pleaded. Moses prayed. God acted and Pharaoh went right back to his foolish ways. 
Have you ever met somebody in tragedy? Maybe you. You ever met anybody fearful, uncomfortable? You ever met anybody in the hospital who genuinely, desperately wanted the frogs to go away? Right? You ever met somebody like on death's door who all of a sudden go, hey, listen, um, God, I get it. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't talk. Frogs are everywhere. You are God. I am not. I do not want any more frogs. And then all of a sudden the frogs go away. And what happens oftentimes? They run right back to their foolish ways. Why? Because they did not want forgiveness. They did not want Christ. They did not seek grace. They did not acknowledge mercy. They wanted respite. I don't care if you forgive my sins or not, just take the frogs off. I remember being 15 years old, 25 years ago. And I remember at that time, you know, you're starting to get old enough to where you start hearing some older stories of bad decisions. But I was still young enough. You know, my favorite show on television was still animated. And I remember a friend coming to me and going, Hunter, and you could just see the fear of God in him. My brother was crying, 15, you can't drive. You're a freshman in high school. And he goes, Hunter, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? And I go to his house. I'll never forget this. And he goes, man, I think my girlfriend's pregnant. And I was like, man, I just kissed a girl, right? <laughs> you know, like, pregnant? You're fearful. They, how do you know? And he's just like, well, there's a lot of reasons which I'm not going to get into a sermon. And so there was this space. Is she pregnant or is she not pregnant? 15 years old, my dad is going to kill me. And if he didn't kill me, her dad's going to kill me. I have no money. I can't drive. I have no future. I got a bedtime. I'm about to have a baby come my way. All of a sudden, my friend became like a priest, right? Like, I'm going to get my life straight. Like, I'm telling you, no more, no more. I'm going to get away from her. It's going to be nothing but church girls for the rest of my life. God, forgive me. Do not make her pregnant. She's not pregnant. Praise God and then runs right back to his foolish ways. You ever been there? If you just make her better, if you just make her better, if he can just find a job, if she can just make the team, if you can just fix this, if you can heal, if you can make me be, if you will provide, then I will, then I will, then I will. And God doesn't make your water blood. He gives you what you seek most and it crushes you. Why? Because you don't care anything about the Lord. You're just sick of frogs. This morning, what do you seek most? Forgiveness or respite? My brother, you don't have to turn. My brother Jacob read to you Psalms 32 for my Wednesday night folks. We were there this week. 
And David King says this about sins and the forgiver of sins. He says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, for my day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was turned to drought of summer. But I acknowledge my sins to you. And my iniquity I have not hidden from you. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Seek forgiveness. I want us to have a minute here where we self-reflect and think. For all my, my believers here, think back. What brought you to God? Think, think for a minute. Like, what brought you to Christ? Was it forgiveness or respite? Which one? See, I want you to understand this evil, wicked Pharaoh had a lot of good things going for him at this moment. If he was born in the Bible Belt, we'd baptize him this Sunday. Make him a Sunday school teacher. He believed, right? He knew him by name. And not only did he believe, and not only did he know him by name, he genuinely did not want his punishment. Did he love God? No. Why? Because he did not desire God. He did not want forgiveness. He did not seek grace. He was not thankful for mercy. He wanted respite. Today, today, because we were all brought up in different churches, taught different things. You know how I know that? Because I've talked to you. How many today do you know who goes, hey, I believe God exists. And not only do I believe that God exists, I desperately and genuinely do not want hell and call themselves Christians. I believe and I don't want his punishment. That sounds like Pharaoh. How many people do you know that go, no, 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 I want heaven. Well, guess what? So do I. I don't believe we came from monkeys. You're off to a good start. But they don't seek grace. And they didn't put their trust and their faith in the risen king. And they call themselves Christians. Like, what brought you to God? Was it somebody looking at you and saying, hey, listen, if you don't want to go to hell, you better get your stuff together? Was it just the reality of your dad looking at you going, hey, listen, either you believe or you don't believe. We've already put that off the table. The demons believed. Do you desire God? Do you love Christ? Do you want grace and mercy? Are you just scared to death of hell? We're closing in. I want you to see the good news in this. 
Go to 1 Corinthians. I told you to flip. I want you to flip. I want you to see it, guys. I really want you thinking about your upbringing, your childhood, your mind, your heart today. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. This is what we see and consider and say is the gospel. Kids, will you open your Bibles? I don't care how old you are. Open your Bibles. Parents, help them. 1 Corinthians 15. We've read it countless times here at this church. Read it again. Paul speaks about salvation. Listen to what he says in verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, and which he would say is how you are saved and of first importance. Believe this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to those Scriptures. But I also want you to see verse 9. Skip down. Paul says, this is how I'm different than Pharaoh. For I am the least of the apostles. I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted God, the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Will you highlight that? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul speaks not just simply about an intellectual belief that God exists or a white flag of his potential punishment. He speaks about the need of grace, the acknowledgement of his sin, the unworthiness of his life, and his gratefulness of his blood. I want you to see this for you guys that weren't taught this. Respite comes from those who are forgiven, but forgiveness does not come to those who simply won't respite. God, I don't want hell. I'll say what you won't. Take the frogs away. Respite is not coming to you. Neither is forgiveness. If anything, you'll just have magicians in your life make more frogs. God, I seek you. I need your son, your grace, his blood, the cross. I need mercy. God is enough. Through Christ, we are made new. God invites peace for my Wednesday night, folks, through forgiveness. You go, Hunter, how do I know who I am? How do I know? For Christians, you and I, should love and desire and want God more than we fear Satan. I should want Christ more than I fear damnation. I want Jesus and I need his grace and I put my trust and I place my faith and I acknowledge my sin 
and respite comes from forgiveness. For some, as we close, for some, you are drowning in what you wanted. You wanted more, you wanted bigger, you wanted to be, and God has stepped forward and he has not taken away your water, but he has given you all that you wanted, and now you're drowning. And you go, God, I thought I won't. I thought I wanted to be. I thought I wanted them to have. And now like my, my, my face is to the water's edge. I'm just trying to, to breathe. I'm drowning. And God goes, hey, listen, I'm giving you exactly what you asked for. You cry out, Lord, take away the frogs. No, no, no. Take away my sin. Take away my sin, and then God will take away the frogs. Respite comes from those who are forgiven. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray if someone is in this room and they say, that is not the Jesus I know. That is not the Christ I have been taught. I have been feared into heaven. I have been scared to death into loving God. I don't really care anything about the Lord. I just don't want to go to hell. I don't care anything about the Lord. I just know I'm drowning. Or let them seek forgiveness. Let them seek peace and respite through forgiveness. God, you are enough. And your son is the way. Let us not hold tight to intellectual facts and white flags raised. But no, our plea of God, I repent and I run towards you. I place my faith and my trust and my desire. You sit where you want to sit. And God will hold you. If someone is sitting here today and they've been in the church for a long time, but they know that I'm speaking to them. But how embarrassing would it be to come to this altar? How embarrassing would it be to fall on your knees? How embarrassing would it be to pray out when everybody thought that my life was right? It'd be so much of a greater day than judgment. God, I thought I was. I thought I wanted Lord, you have shown me that your son is everything. Take my life, take my mind, take my heart, take my trust and faith. Lord, I seek mercy and grace. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your church. Thank you for his blood. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen.